Graveyard Coffee Talk. We're your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. (laughs) Oh, we have the giggles today. I'm really sorry. There's no excuse for us. There never is. Amanda, please tell us about this new coffee that we're drinking today. Yes, uh, this is from our local coffee shop, Quills. Uh, This is from the Baxter Avenue location because I can walk to it. Uh, I have an Americano with just a little bit of heavy cream. Uh, hopefully the hot coffee is going to help me stop sounding like I am slowly fading away into the background. Uh, yes, and Amanda picked up for me because she's wonderful. Uh, a drink called the Goat Man, which I felt was kind of almost thematically appropriate because we do talk about a lot of mythic creatures. And also it's basically a Nutella latte, which, yes, please. Thank you. And for anyone listening who's not from Kentucky, who maybe isn't familiar with the goat man, the goat monster, Poplick, one day, maybe we'll cover that story. Fingers crossed. I'd love to do something like that. That'd be great. Um, We'll add that to the queue. Definitely. So, Corinne, what is our tarot poll today? All right. I am back to using the line starter tarot because it really is one of my favorites. The art's just stunning. It's really great. Um, and today I pulled The World Reversed. Um, and I was really excited when I first pulled it because I'm like, oh, end of a cycle, new thing. And then I remembered, oh, wait, I actually read reversals in this. Yeah. Like a boss. But it says don't give up. Don't be lazy. Uh, do your due diligence. Um, don't resist those changes. Soften into it. Which, as we are recording in the lead up to 2022, holy shit, I think is a message that we can all use. And I know we're so fortunate to be growing this audience and finding people who are are listening to us. And it's really exciting. And I hope that you all give us a chance to grow and develop and that we get to do that together. Yes, it's been amazing hearing from you guys as you're listening Hearing what your favorite parts are, bringing up quotes I've completely forgotten that we've said, like, Satan is my girl boss. Yeah, several people have really enjoyed that line, and I wish to God I could remember what episode we said it in. Pretty sure it was Graveyard Ghosts. Cool. I hope so. couldn't tell you for sure. It sounds like something we would say at any given point in time. I mean, it's my new avatar in Discord now. I uh, let in AI create what picture it thought fit Satan girl boss or girl boss Satan. One of the two. I don't know. It looks like something from a YA fantasy cover. Yes. Good. Yes. uh, Living our best YA fantasy life. The dream. The dream. All right. So uh, let's jump into today's episode topic. Yay. I'm so excited, guys. You don't even know. All right, so today 
We are talking about mermaid myths. Mermaids! And as the grown-up version of little kid me who watched The Little Mermaid so often that we went through two VHSs of it. I, yeah. I am living My parents drowned my Little Mermaid toy. I had one of the ones that sang and you weren't supposed to get her head wet. And my mom drowned it. As someone with a child who now has toys that make noise, I support your parents. I mean, it's, I totally understand. And yes, not that it stopped me from singing because they didn't drown me, clearly. That's good. I got to survive to adulthood. That's good. So the the choice was child or or doll and they chose doll. Fair. Sorry about that. (laughs) Okay. It's fine. We're it's fine. fine. We're good. Uh, so for just a quick bit of background before I jump into the North American myths and folklore that I found, I thought it was really interesting that the earliest known mermaid-esque myths go back 7,000 years mm. um, to the Babylonian fish-tailed god Oannes. Yeah, I read about that and also uh, Adagatis, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but. Um, heads up for this episode, I have looked up pronunciation guides. I am going to get things wrong and I am sorry. I am going to mispronounce many, many things today and it is not for lack of trying. Um, and, you know, jumping back into the mermaids, mermaid related myths can be found in cultures all over the world. Mm. Um, you know, the earth is what, 70% water? Something like that. We, as humans, have had a fascination with oceans and rivers and lakes and creeks and ponds. And even outside of the mermaid myths, I feel like we can find just water related folklore. There's a lot. And I will, I'll admit, I went a little bit off the rails in my own research and I had to like reel myself back in because there's one topic that had I been left unsupervised, we'd be hearing about for three weeks and I would like to save it for a different episode, if I may. Oh, I'm going to flat out tell you a topic that we're going, we're (laughs) We're going to cover. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yes. Lay it on me. As I go through here. So no worries there. Lay it um, on me. So the first bit of mermaid-related folklore that I would like to cover is the Mishabijwa, or the Great Lynx. Okay. And this creature shows up in the mythologies of various native na- native nations in the Great Lakes region. Okay. Um. A lot of this is in Canada, but some of it does cross over into the U.S. because our borders are make-believe. Yes. So according to the Sioux people, it's a monster from the underworld okay. that resides in creeks and rivers. Awesome. Um, it has the body of a buffalo, but with paws for easier swimming. So think like a platypus paw. Or okay. a beaver, I guess, would make more sense. Pod than pods the... are a little bit more um, duck-footed. Yeah. Uh, it has one eye. Okay. It either has one horn or two horns, depending on the myth. Okay, okay, okay. 
dorsal fins, mm-hmm. a spike tail, and scales. Okay, that sounds really badass, and I I like him, and I want to be his friend. No, probably not. And we will get into why. Damn! Ruining all my fun. So, uh, there's a Chippewa tale that has the Mishibishwa living on an island of mud between two lakeside villages. So, again, the Sioux people thought that this creature lived in creeks and rivers, but the closer we get to the Great Lakes proper, we find this creature living in lakes. Mm, okay. Um, and when you think of how absolutely massive and... Can I tell you a funny story about the Great Lakes that I've probably told you before? Of course. So my sister, who is a brilliant woman, please don't misunderstand. Can you tell me which sister? It's Marion. Okay. My sisters are twins, so it it does matter which sister I'm talking about here. They're very different women. They are very different. But Marion was flying from Louisville to Chicago and then Chicago to London for her study abroad. Okay. So she lands in Chicago and she's texting with her twin, Patricia. And it's like, hey, we flew over the ocean. And Trisha's like, no, you didn't. And Marion's like, no, we flew over the ocean. I saw it. And Trisha's like, Marion, you're in Chicago. Do you know where Chicago is? And my sister, God love her, responds with, well, then it must have been a fucking big lake. Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) To which her twin responded do you mean a great lake my sisters ladies and gents brilliant women they are some of the smartest women that i know believe it or not it is proof that one person cannot know everything also none of us think before we speak ever why would you i mean this podcast is just like a testament to my inability to think before i speak so it's true um, so again, the, the Chippewa tale has this creature living on an island of mud mm. between two lakeside villages. Okay. The locals avoided the island out of fear of the creature because I'd be terrified of a creature from the underworld as big a, as big as a buffalo. I mean, yes, but also, uh, you, we all know I'm going to die trying to pet something I shouldn't. Fair. Yeah. But two girls decided to take their chances crossing the lake. Okay. The girls encountered the monster. They did not kill it, but it also did not kill them. Okay, okay. They managed to chop off its tail with one of their oars. Baby! Which, why is your oar so sharp that you can chop off an underworld creature's tail? totally fuck people up with oars. That's a thing, yo. I don't like that. Uh, But the tail, once it was chopped off, turned into a solid piece of copper. Okay. And as long as the tribe possessed the copper, they had amazing success fishing and hunting. It became a talisman of good luck and prosperity. Mm. And uh, now moving on to another Native nation that believed in the Mishbizhwa. I am so mispronouncing that and I apologize. Uh, the Ojibwa people believed that every lake had its own. Oh. And that that creature controlled the conditions of that lake. 
It could cause still waters. Okay. Or if it was upset, it could lead to waves and whirlpools and rapids. Okay, okay. Um, and because little kids love monsters, regardless of where we are in the world mm-hmm. or when we are in history, um, at least one tribe had a children's game similar to Tag, where <laughs> one child was the Mishibizwa chasing the other children around. Um, I love that. I love that so much. It's it's, it's like, like sharks and minnows. It's sharks and minnows. It's the kids that are making games about COVID right now on playgrounds. That's true. Yeah. Where, you know, you go and knock on doors and at one of the doors there's yeah, Corona yeah, yeah. and it goes and chases the other kids. I just love that it's... Kids are kids across time and space. Yes. And the fact that things that we as adults find terrifying, like Coraline yeah. or certain bits of Nightmare Before Christmas are just fun. Kids like fun children. Scary. Kids like fun scary. And I just their love definition that. of fun scary and our definition of fun scary are very different. So moving on um, away from the Great Lakes, we're gonna go over a little further east uh, to the Mi'kmaq Nation, okay. who traditionally live in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, and then down through Maine and Massachusetts. Okay, okay. Um, I didn't forget that I was supposed to cover U.S. folklore, guys. <laughs> Uh, And we're going to talk about one of the stories of Lone Bird. Okay. Lone Bird was an absolutely gorgeous woman who lived with her mother and father on the shores of the Atlantic. Okay. And in one of these stories, she found a cove of five beautiful maidens swimming and playing in the water. Okay. And a quote from the book, Spirits, Fairies, and Merpeople, Native Stories of Other Worlds by C.J. Taylor. Quote, They were lovely, it is true, but they looked nothing like human maidens, for humans do not have pale skin spotted with silvery scales. They do not dress their hair with strands of seaweed. And though maidens do adorn themselves with necklaces of bright shells, humans have legs. Their bodies do not end in long fishtails. Oh. End quote. Which is the closest to the archetypical Little Mermaid Mm. style mermaid that so many people think of that I could find in the United States. That's really cool. Okay. Um, And in that story, she meets them. She talks to them. She swims with them. And she gets to leave. Oh, okay. And there are so many other stories of Lone Bird, um, and we need to do an episode on lunar folklore and stories surrounding the moon, because there is a story that I already have several hundred words worth of notes taken about Lone Bird and the moon and love and parental expectations I want it. I want it. I I know people can't see my face because this is a podcast, not a video cast, but I have the biggest, most shit-eating grin on my face right now. I want it. It's so much fun. Can we bump that up in the queue? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, because I I love lunar myths and I genuinely don't know that many in the US. I when I think of lunar myths, I think a lot of 
of a lot of East Asian Mm. uh, folklore, which very weird aside, and we can get more into this in the lunar episode. um, When we were in Yangshou, the way that the crescent moon is on the cats in Sailor Moon suddenly made sense because (laughs) here in our hemisphere, the moon is... They can't see what you're doing, honey. Well, fine. <laughs> but the the crescent is more vertical. Yeah. Whereas if you see a crescent moon in China, it looks like a bolt. Okay. And it was the trippiest thing I think I have ever seen in real life because the moon looked wrong. That's wild. Um, Love it. But now we can move back on to mermaids. We got this. We got this. We're going to focus so good. So good. This coffee is going to make me focus. Yeah. Focus, focus. They need coffee to focus. (laughs) We're fine. I just spilled coffee on my shirt. So now we're going to move westward by not that much. Okay. To Vevey, Indiana on the banks of the Ohio River. Okay. Um, Indiana, as a landlocked state, yeah, would not be my first guess for a state with a mermaid myth, but here we are with the Ohio River mud mermaids. I'm sorry, the what? Oh, yeah. Um, and just as an aside, Vevey is only an hour drive from us. We're planning a lot of road trips, aren't we? We are. <laughs> this- I'm going to need to ask for more time off from work. Right. With all of that PTO, we definitely have. Um, Speak for yourself. I have good PTO. Starting in 1891, Mm -hmm. sightings of grotesque creatures lurking on the shores and sandbars of the Ohio started, centered around Vevey, Indiana. I'm trying so hard not to make mean jokes. That's not kind. I'm stopping. Oh, um... I have Indiana, man. those jokes yes. about the Ohio itself. Okay. okay. They were often spotted as a pair, mm-hmm. frolicking in the water and hanging out on partially submerged tree stumps. All right. A description from the Cincinnati Inquirer okay. says, quote, The beast is about five feet in length. Okay. Its general color is yellowish. The body... Between the four legs resembles that of a human being. Back of the hind legs, it tapers to a point. The extremities resemble hands and are webbed and furnished with sharp claws. Okay. It is devoid of hair. I don't like it. Its ears are sharp pointed and stand up like those of a dog. Thanks, I hate it. Why? Uh, so, as far as I could tell... Looking through this, there's only one named witness, um, and this man was a stain on our good state of Kentucky. Cool. Uh, Kentucky Confederate Captain J.M. Ozier. Great. Love that for us. He claimed that the pair consisted of a male and a female, and that he had been menaced by the male, which honestly makes me team Mud Mermaid, because you, sir, were a Confederate piece of shit. Fuck yeah. Go team Um, Mud Mermaids. So another contemporary news report read, quote, On the sandbar of the Ohio River reside two nondescript creatures, horrible in appearance and habit. (laughs) 
They are amphibious in nature and resemble in appearance huge lizards with human features. I love it. When partially submerged in the yellow waters of the Ohio, side note, really comforting to know that the Ohio was as disgusting in the 1890s as it is today. (laughs) They are strangely like human beings. And strangely like human beings is, in fact, how I feel about several residents of Indiana that I have met. (laughs) Thank you for making the joke. Thank you for making the joke. I didn't want to make the joke. It's what I'm here for. Of what species of animal they are, no one knows, for it is impossible to get near enough to them to judge correctly. And after this report, all known sightings just stop. Weird. Okay. There have been literally no sightings since 1892. Yes, Patrick. Oh, hi, Pat. Have you seen the mud mermaids? Yeah. Hi, baby boy. You 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 need to here. Come on, baby. You can't. I I love you, but you don't know about mermaids because you only have one brain cell. So, uh, despite there being you know only a handful of sightings ever recorded, mm-hmm. cryptid enthusiasts just go wild for this story. I don't because blame them. how could you not? Uh, to see, I have a book on American cryptids, and I'll have to see if there's anything about them in that. Please do and let me know. Yeah, will do. Uh, some modern-day cryptid enthusiasts believe that these creatures may have been deep-sea creatures who were swept through the Ohio and eventually made their way back to the sea. I mean, it makes sense. We've gotten bull sharks in the Ohio River before. Yeah. My only issue with that one is why would a deep-sea creature be amphibious? I mean, fair. But also, these reports were written in the 1890s. And animal taxonomy is completely fake. Fair. There is no such thing as a fish. True. Um, I'm torn on two different theories on what I think is true. Okay. So in the late 1800s, newspapers would create sensationalized news stories to drive up sales during news slumps. Are you telling me that there was fake news in the 1890s? There was. Those bastards. Um... And that feels pretty plausible. Yeah. Um, But I also like to think that it was a bunch of drunk people partying down by the (laughs) banks of the Ohio and they saw some huge catfish and went, oh, my God, these eldritch mermaids. (laughs) I mean, I've seen uh, one of my old classmates routinely catches the most horrifying looking catfish I have ever seen out of the Ohio. They're massive and he throws them back too like he just he fishes for fun and he posts these photos on facebook and i'm like oh no sir oh you put that right the fuck back oh yeah there are all sorts of reports of people catching like four foot long catfish in the ohio which no thanks i think some of the ones he's caught have been bigger they're really like they're massive they're terrifying i hate it yep things in the water are scary man Yeah, you don't have to go to the ocean to find... Horrifying things in the water. Yeah. Just come to Kentucky. Come check out the Ohio. It's gross. Really? A a lot of my uh, segments so far in multiple episodes of this podcast are, you don't have to go far for the horror. Just come to Kentucky. (laughs) New state slogan. Sure. They'll go for that. Hey, Andy, hire us. (laughs) We got you, boo. 
And lastly, oh no, we can't talk about North American mermaid myths without discussing manatees. Yay, manatees! Yep, so in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and in 1493, he claimed he saw mermaids. Yep. Uh, we now know that he most certainly saw manatees, mm-hmm. especially given how he and several of his crew talked about the mannish faces on the mermaids they encountered here. Oh, no. Be nice to the manatees. Now, I want you all, picture in your head a manatee. Now, think about how desperate you would have to be to look at a manatee and go, ooh. Hey, they got got curvy knees if you see them from the bottom. I've seen those pictures. If you're you're looking up at at the manatee, she she got some curves, yo. She thick? She thick. (laughs) I'm just We have no remorse. None whatsoever. I told you, I don't think before I speak. But then... For the first and only time in my life, I decided to give Columbus's crew the benefit of the doubt because you're stuck at sea for a year with only your coworkers for company, led by a man who disbelieves everything, physics, and thinks that the world is much smaller than it is. Yeah, well, math is hard, yo. Um, but yeah, a year at sea with only your coworkers, that, yeah. that'd be enough to mess with your head. So, you know, given the dehydrated, half-starved, cabin fever-affected points of view, it almost makes sense. Mm-hmm. Manatees are mammals. They are. They give birth to live young. They do. And they are incredibly curious. And they're cute! They are so cute. I love manatees. We should go to Cincinnati and go see the manatees there. Oh my gosh, we went there for a friend's bachelorette party. To the mm-hmm. Cincinnati Zoo, and they had a little baby manatee who was learning how to eat lettuce, and oh, it was the Bobby. cutest thing I have ever seen in my Bobby. life. So manatees also do what's called a tail stand, where they bring their head above water with their tails straight down, mm-hmm. which does feel a lot like something out of very classic mermaid art. Yeah. And... uh To close this segment, not super mermaid related, but definitely about manatees, I'm going to read you an excerpt from Spanish Jesuit missionary and naturalist Diaz Acosta Facundo's 1590 description of the manatee. Yes, lay it on me. I need this. Quote, there is the so-called manatee, a strange kind of fish. If one can name fish to an animal whose cubs are born alive and with milk they are raised and eat herbs in the fields, but indeed usually resides in the water. Due to the mentioned reasons, they eat it as fish. But when I ate it on a Friday, it almost had scruples because the color and flavor seemed like nothing but veal chops. (laughs) As big as a cow. (laughs) End quote. That that makes me think of all the things that don't technically count as meat for Lent. For Lent. Capybara. Beavers. Yeah. Alligator. I mean, the only reason fish doesn't count as meat is because the Pope didn't want the Portuguese economy to collapse, so. I mean, yeah, but I love it. Okay. And that's my segment. Okay, it's my turn. It's my turn. It's my turn. It's mermaids, guys. I'm really excited. I'm really excited, and I I had to rein myself in a lot. Excellent. Um, so you're getting a much truncated version of what I originally wanted to do. Okay. 
Um, because as we discussed, the myths of mermaids go back quite far. Um, but a lot of what we consider like classical mermaids are more like the Greek sirens, things like that. Um, you don't actually get a ton of those in European mythology. Interesting. There's like there are a few, but it's kind of like okay, well, we all just share this one monomyth essentially. Um, you do get some interesting variants that I really enjoyed, but I was kind of like, this is boring. Fair. I have a very short attention span, guys. You will learn this quickly about me. So I hopped on to my good buddy Google, and I typed in mermaids around the world, and I found a really great list from Book Riot. Love Book Riot. Great site. Mad shout out to them. So um, I picked a couple off of their list and then devolved from there. So one of the things that I learned about on that specific list was the Hai Ho Shang from China. And the Hai Ho Shang has, like, the body of a Buddhist monk with a ba- uh, shaved head. And then he's also a fishy. Okay. And his whole deal is that he likes to sink ships. He will he will wreck your shit. I mean, I guess you get bored if you don't have the internet, but... Probably. I don't know. Um... But anyway, the way that you keep Hai Ho Shang from sinking your ship is you need to burn feathers on a deck, on, on the deck, which kind of worries me because open fire on a ship, mm, don't love that. That seems You got a dangerous. bunch of water. It's fine. It's so dangerous. It's like the number one most dangerous thing on a ship is fire. Um, the other thing that you can do is you have someone performing a ritual dance to the sound of a gong. Excellent. And that is supposed to keep Hai Ho Shang from destroying your ship. Is he a fan of the arts? I guess so. I don't know. Maybe he's like, oh, they're praying because he looks like a Buddhist monk, kind of, with like the shaved head. I don't know. I actually had a lot of trouble finding like good sources. detailed sources. Um, now I'm just wondering <laughs> if sailing, <laughs> excuse me, if sailing is blasphemous. You know what? We are. Look at us. We're we're weird, hairless critters. We belong on land. I Fair. say, being deeply afraid of anything that I cannot see, which is most things because I'm very nearsighted. Oh man, what's the fear of the ocean? I I don't know. Thassalophobia, probably. I don't. Act, I like being in the water, uh, but whatever. I do not like when water is so deep I can't see past a certain point. That's fair. I say, having spent just multiple, multiple weeks of every summer growing up at Rough River Lake, where it is so muddy and yeah, dark. My parents were checking me into the Atlantic Ocean from the time I was a baby, so. It's fine. It's whatever. It's whatever. So as I'm trying to find more information about the Hai Ho Shang, I start seeing references to Jiaoren in Chinese mythology. Um, one of the ways it typically gets translated as shark people so these are closer to classical merfolk um one of the things that they are noted to do is when they cry they cry pearls i have heard of these yeah you may have i oh i could be completely wrong but i think they were said to be in the pearl river near where my in-laws used to live okay um so the Pearl River is southeastern China, um, really, it feeds out into the sea near Hong Kong. Okay. And it's by Macau and Zhuhai, which is where they lived. 
And I believe it's one of these creatures that is part of Zhuhai's like city art. Mm. Yeah, Jiaran seem to be a little bit more widespread, which is pretty cool. Um, one of the other things that they are said to do is they're very fine weavers. Okay. And they weave this silk that is called uh, Jiao Xiao, which is also translated to as mermaid silk. Uh, stories about the uh, Jiao Run, Jiao Run? Yeah, Jiao Run, start popping up as early as the 6th century CE. And again, I couldn't find a ton of good English language resources because I am limited. My Chinese is absolutely abysmal. Mad apologies to my Chinese teacher. I'm sorry. Um, but um, there was a scholar named Edward Schaefer who started drawing connections between the Jiao Xiao with something that is very real called sea silk that originates in the Mediterranean. Uh-huh. So this sea silk, this Jiao Xiao could have made its way to China. And quite frankly, it did make its way to China via various trade routes. Um, but it's spun from a secretion from pen shell mollusks. It's extremely fine. It is extremely rare. And like I said, it is typically produced in the Mediterranean region. Interesting. So I thought that was really neat. I got very excited about that. Huh. Um, and then I have a really important side note before I go on. Okay. So when I found that book, Riot List and Hai Ho Shang, instead of, you know, carefully copying Hai Ho Shang and just Googling that, I typed in Chinese mermaids. Oh. Because I'm lazy. Because somehow typing is lazier than uh, uh, copy pasting like you do. And it turns out that um, there's a huge popularity of being a mermaid in China. You know, like the... The dive, free divers who wear the mermaid tails. You find them all over Florida. It was yeah. so hard to find the manatee information because if you look up Florida mermaids. Yeah, it's all that. Yeah. So that's hugely popular in China right now. Like all over the place. Interesting. Um, so when you learn to be a mermaid, you are learning free diving. And you're swimming with what is called a monofin. Okay. My niece has like a little spandex one that I'm so jealous of, but she's seven, so I can't steal it from her. It's true. Um, she is tiny. She's she's whittle. So yeah, huge movement. And the minute I found that, I'm not gonna lie, the entire rest of my afternoon, I was trying to find anywhere in the tri-state area where I can take mermaid lessons. I I haven't found them yet. And if someone could point me to where I can do this, you will have my eternal gratitude and probably my husband will be really sad. I'm very sorry to him in advance because it has become an obsession. I want to be a mermaid, Amanda. I wonder if the scuba school here in town could direct you. Yeah, they have free diving classes because I went down a rabbit hole. I'm sorry. So, okay. Pulling myself back in. All right. (laughs) Pulling myself back in. Um... I reached out to you while I was doing my research and I said, hey, Amanda, how do you feel if I go off a little bit from the traditional half fish, half human? And you were fine. I mean, I found the mud mermaids. You did. You did. So I went off the fucking rails. Yay. And we're only going to do one of the things that I want to do because I was going to pull in selkies, but Amanda, I want to do an episode about selkies. Uh, I found selkie myths in the US. So absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. 
So yeah, I I the Wikipedia article for mermaids actually has quite a lot of oh, has quite a lot of variants. I just hit the mic really hard and it made a bad sound. My bad, y'all. Um, so we are going to take a quick jaunt from China to Japan, and we are going to talk about kappa. Yay! Because I love kappa so much. I love them. I love them. They're my they're not my friends. They but are not your friends. Kind of, they are. So, kappa are an aquatic Japanese yokai. Uh, yokai typically gets translated into English as demon. That's really not an accurate translation. Mm-hmm. But they are a supernatural spirit. I mostly know them because as a teen, I was, I was and still am uh, a big anime fan. And I'm also a really big nerd. No. So, I fell in love with, with learning about mythology. Um, any hoozles. So, Kappa, for those who are not weeaboos and nerds like me. Uh, uh, you should know from reading Harry Potter. But Kappa are very humanoid. They have a turtle-like shell on their back. And there is a depression on the top of their head that is full of water. And a classic way to evade a Kappa is to bow very deeply and very politely because they are compelled to be even more polite to you in return. And if they spill the water out of that dish on top of their head, they lose all of their power. So if you bow really deeply, they have to bow even more deeply and the water spills out. I love the weaponized politeness. Mm -hmm. Gotta love that. That Um, is so Japanese. It's really great. Um, And... I have in my notes, which Amanda can see and I will definitely post on the website, that is a Netsuke carving. Netsuke were used as decoration. And he's a little cop, and he looks like he's got some golem vibes. He does have some major golem vibes, but you can even see the little depression in his head. Yeah, he's really cute. So, um... According to Folklore, Kappa range from being harmless pranksters, which is one of the reasons why I do love them so very much, to, um extremely malevolent. Hey, cats, please stop murdering one another. Anyway, um, the range here is, you know, still kind of pervy and, like, trying to get an upskirt on women who are walking too close, close to the river. Like, that's that's still pervy and gross, and I don't like yeah. that. Um, but then it ranges all the way to raping and murdering. You get a wide variety with Kappa. That's not great. It's not. It's not. Um... And according to mythology, one of the common pastimes of Kappa is to drown people because they want to remove something called, oh gosh, can I still, shirikodama from the victim's anus. And the shirikodama is a mystical organ that is somewhere either just inside the butthole or up into the intestines. And the Kappa desperately want that. Hi, uh, Japan? (laughs) What the fuck? Okay, so... There's actually um, a really interesting write-up on Hyakumonogatari, which is the website that I referenced in our Spooky Games episode. Okay. Um, he had a whole collection of stories about Kappa and talking about um, just the bases of the legends and stuff. And a very common thing with drowning victims is they have a distended anus. So the thought was this was an explanation on why that happened. Interesting. Right? That was really cool. This is actually kind of horrifying. Um, I I rescind my what the fuck. Yeah, there there is there is reason for it, believe it or not. Um, so when they're not wanting to murder you and pull things out of your ass, 
they are very good friends to have. Um, they were supposed to be very skilled healers. And according to some legends, actually taught humans how to set bones. Which is kind of important for survival. Yeah. I could make a joke about setting bones and anuses, but you know. Let's not. Woof. <laughs> oh, God. Um, another bit of Kappa lore that I really like is that you can appease Kappa with a, an offering of cucumbers. So, like, you might be familiar if you go to a sushi restaurant, there's the Kappa Maki, which is a cucumber roll. Mm-hmm. It is named as such because it is cucumbers and cucumbers are for Kappa. Huh. And in, they are refreshing. Uh, Pre-Meiji Edo, which is what we now call Tokyo, people would actually carve the names of their loved ones into cucumbers and put them into the waterways as offerings to help keep them safe from drowning. Interesting. Right? It's very cool. Kappa are very common in Japanese folklore. One of the other things that I really like about them is if you're reading Japanese translations of Journey to the West, the water demon who goes along with Tripitaka and the Monkey King and everybody else is typically presented as a kappa. Fun. So I have that's just one of those things. That's that's where I learned about kappa because I am such a slut for Journey to the West. I love Journey to the West. We again when we were in Yangshou got to go to one of the caves that Mad Jelly is said to have been there and it is a tourist destination. I need to go. You can get your picture taken with actors dressed up as the monkey king. Ah, Samuka, yes. Um and they've this. got like so we were told by our tour guide because fun fact, I do not read Chinese. Yeah. Hard. I do not understand Mandarin. So the speakers that were blaring which was just so weird. I'm sorry. This is a very odd tangent, and I apologize. Go for but, it. you know, you go on cave tours in Kentucky, for example, because I have heard that apparently other states don't have we quite as many caves as us. We do have the benefit of having um, Mammoth Cave. Yeah, and it's just so weird to think about people growing up not going to visit a cave once or twice or three times a year. Who knows? That's weird. Those poor people. Yeah. Again, Kentucky. You don't have to travel har- far for the horror. Yes. So here, you know, we don't do a lot to our caves. Mm-hmm. It, we just appreciate the cave itself. Yeah. There, there were plaques next to the stalactites and stalagmites that were referenced in specific iterations of journey to the west there are like big multicolored lights on important parts of the cave love that there was a man-made mud pit which we went into okay and a man-made we found out later hot spring in this cave um amazing yeah a bunch of chinese tourists took pictures of us americans (laughs) In the hot springs. Love that for you. Love that for me. Oh, goodness. Um, and yeah, it was just, I'm sorry, you mentioned Journey to the West. No, you're And that fine. was the coolest thing. I'll have to find the pictures for you. You're fine. One of the resources that I found, this is, sorry, one last final tangent that isn't really related to anything. Well, it was kind of related because it was talking about Kappa and anime. 
and I found this great uh, JSTOR article about um, compendiums of Japanese yokai from like Prieto area. Area? That's not the right word. Era? Thank you. Pre-Edo era to certain modern day anime, including one of my personal favorites, Inuyasha. Love that show. It was my first anime ever. Um, so I saw that and I was like, oh, cool. Oh, it's JSTOR. How am I going to get access to this? Because JSTOR is kind of expensive to subscribe to. So I did a little clicking around and it turns out that if you are a Louisville resident and you have a Louisville Free Public Library card, you have access to JSTOR. So guys, get you a library card, especially if you're here in Louisville. If you are not a Louisville resident, find out what research tools are available through your local library, because I can guarantee you they're probably better than you think. A thousand percent. Like guys, local libraries, love them, use them. They're great. I love it. I was really excited. I was super excited when you texted me that because (laughs) it has made my research for one of our upcoming episodes uh, less hectic and all over the place. My research is always going to be hectic and all over the place because I don't have the attention span for anything more streamlined. It's fair. Anyway, that is my segment. Um, Yay! I'm glad that I got to tell people about COPPA because I really love them. I'm just glad I found out about the mud mermaids that it... Oh, Kentucky. Technically not Kentucky. That's Indiana's fault. We get to blame them. It is so Ohio River Valley. It is. It It is. is. Oh, my goodness. Just perfection. Love that for us. I don't think we did anything too spooky today. Yeah. I love this for us. Wow. That's weird we with some of our upcoming episodes we more than make up for that so uh just warning this this is an on-purpose lighthearted episode yeah after uh the occult court cases it felt right it did it did but this was great i had way too much fun and i think we're gonna have to throw books at one another again a thousand percent yes all right guys Uh, sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares. We will talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Seanan McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard.